Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thank you for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Rajat, founder and CEO of Present, a presentation productivity platform that's raised over $24 million in funding. Rajat, thanks for chatting with me today. Thank you, Brett. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So before we begin talking about what you're building there, can we just start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background? Yeah, so Brett, I grew up in India as an immigrant. I'm an engineer by training, you know, moved to the U.S. with $800 in my pocket when I was 21 years old. I love kind of the intersection of left brain and right brain. So I worked at uh, Microsoft and Google on the tech side. I've trained in the National School of Drama, done some theater, and I went on to work at McKinsey and Company right after business school, which is where I met my beautiful wife. And we have two kids now. And I left McKinsey to take on a senior executive role at Cisco Systems and uh, left Cisco to start Present. It's been about two and a half years now. Wow. And what was it like for you? Take us back to when you first moved to the U.S. from India. What was going on inside your head at that time? Yeah, I actually didn't know what to expect, right? So, you know, I had the good fortune of studying at the Indian Institute of Technology, the IIT Delhi. I got recruited from Microsoft from school to come to the U.S., to come to Redmond. So I really didn't know what to expect. All I'd seen was some Hollywood movies. And uh, they gave me a plane ticket. And they told me the Pacific Northwest is really beautiful. with Lots of lush greenery and... I saw all those pictures and I fell for it, Brett. And I landed in the US and for 14 days straight, it was raining in Redmond, right? So yes, I was kind of pretty uh, petrified when I was on that plane because I was leaving everything behind to come to the US. But, you know, America has been great for me and uh, for our family now. That's amazing. And let's talk about that entrepreneurial journey then as well. So, you know, working at these big tech companies, I'm sure you were well compensated, probably very comfortable what was it like making yourself, you know, leave that behind to start a company? What was going on in your head? You know, the conversations with your family, your friends, coworkers, did people think you were insane and crazy? What was going on? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, for me, I've always thought that, like, I used to stammer, Brett, when I was a kid, so I couldn't speak clearly. And I used to be made fun of. And I realized that great communication is a superpower. And I had the good fortune to kind of go to Wharton and McKinsey. And... um what I realized was, you know, there are many people who have great ideas, who work really hard, but just because they haven't been trained in the art and science of business communication, their careers are stalling or not shining, right? I saw that at McKinsey with my clients. I had a really good friend uh, from undergrad who got passed up for promotions for about eight years at Apple. And they would ask him, tell me about yourself. And then they would pass on the interview. And then we talked a few times. And then, you know, he called me three weeks later saying, Rajat, guess what, you know, I've been promoted, now I'm a director at Apple. And, you know, in true Silicon Valley fashion, right, Brett, he got a pay raise, he bought a Tesla. I mean, you know, his life completely kind of changed, right? And there are millions of these people out there. And I have very personally kind of seen business communication, great communication can really catapult careers and change lives. And when I was at Cisco, I kind of had this feeling that, you know, there really isn't anything out there for the busy professional to help them really up their communication game and save time, right? People spend a lot of time. So, and agencies and consultancies are very expensive. 
And for a decade or so, there has been no innovation in the space. And that just Brett, felt very unfair to me. You know, that why is that only senior executives have all these resources and uh, mid-level folks, junior folks do not. And I thought someone should do something about it. Kind of the analogy I use is like before Google Maps, I was directionally challenged, right? So I'm, I'm a directionally challenged person. And then many people like me and I would get lost in cities. And, uh, but after Google Maps, you know, no one is directionally challenged, right? It's, it levels the playing field. So I wanted to build something that can level the playing field for busy professionals who are A, spending too much time or have not been trained. And honestly, you know, Cisco was a great company, is a great company. And, you know, I had a chance to run a $14 billion business, have thousands of people on my team work on exciting products and services. But honestly, I couldn't sleep, Brett, thinking of this problem. I couldn't sleep thinking, you know, there is nothing out there for millions of people in the world. And, uh, you know, that kind of lack of sleep and constantly thinking about the idea made me take the plunge. And uh, yeah, and many people around me were like, what are you doing, right? I mean, everything is set. You have a great life. Why do you want to kind of start from scratch? But I just had to, right? I think the problem needs to be solved. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I'm going to take a shot at trying to solve it. And luckily for me, you know, my wife, she runs a presentation services company called Presentium. So she was uh, super supportive of the process. So she like, you know, follow your dream. Uh, my boss at Cisco, Maria Martinez, she was, she's the chief operating officer. She was pretty supportive as well. She said, go follow your dream. See if you can make it happen. So I'm only grateful, Brett, you know, for from a, growing up in a middle-class family to having a chance to pursue my dream and build, present. I'm just, gratitude is kind of the word that captures my life. Wow, that's amazing. And sounds like it's been a wild journey so far and it's only just really beginning. So that's certainly exciting. One thing I wanted to ask you about is the fact that you're here in Silicon Valley in the Bay Area, and we're both here, but in the media, you read a lot about you know the fall of Silicon Valley or the decline of Silicon Valley. Everyone's moving to Miami. How important do you think it is for a founder of a tech company like yours to be here in Silicon Valley? Do you think it's mission critical? Are they crazy if they leave or does it just really depend? Yeah, I think if you think of what you need to start a company, right? I think you need capital, talent, and an idea, right? And the idea can be anywhere. Now, talent is very global right now. Like more than half our team is based out of India. So our machine learning team, engineering, product management, inside sales, all are based out of India. And that that leaves capital. And I would say like 10 years ago, a lot of these things were here in the Bay Area. But now I don't think that's the case, right? There are many great VC firms outside the Bay Area. In fact, our lead investor for our series, A. Graycroft, is based out of L.A., Right. And I talked to many firms outside Silicon Valley as well. So I don't think it's necessary, Brett. I think the benefit of being in the Valley is um, there are many people going through that journey and you can form that community. But I think that community is being formed in New York, Austin, you know, in the Bangalore, Israel, so many places in the world now. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Now, two other questions we like to ask just to better understand what makes you tick as a founder and entrepreneur. First one is, what CEO do you admire the most and what do you admire about them? I mean, there's so many kind of great CEOs, but if I had to pick, you know, I like Danny Meyer, who started United Hospitality Group, uh, you know, the founder of Shake Shack and Ray Dalio, the founder of Bridgewater, kind of for different reasons. And Danny Meyer, he has this philosophy that business is like hospitality. Right, where you're trying to kind of make sure your customers have a great experience. And it's not just the food they're eating, but the entire experience they have in that restaurant. And that idea of making sure the customer experience is amazing 
right from the point they see an ad about your company to when they go through the sales process, experience your product, post sales, answer any questions. So that idea to me of business being like hospitality and making sure every customer has a great experience. I love that. And I love uh, Ray Dalio for kind of a system level thinking. So he's the founder and CEO of Bridgewater Associates, the largest hedge fund in the world. And he talks about how companies could be like machines where different parts kind of work together to make it successful. So being a very analytical person, I like thinking of the different parts of the business and how they come together. So, you know, for the right brain of Danny Meyer, the hospitality experience and the strong kind of left analytical brain for Ray Dalio, I like those two founders. Nice. I'm a huge Ray Dalio fan. When I read his book, Principles, when it first came out in like 2017, I think it completely changed my life and just changed how I viewed the world. So huge, huge fan. Yeah, I mean, we are a big believer in kind of values and principles ourselves from Ray Dalio's book. And we actually, you know, when my son was born, we asked ourselves the question, how would we know we've lived the life we want to live? And we actually came up with kind of three values and corresponding principles, kindness, courage, and learning. And this is the way that the mental models he has, Brett, just like you, I'm a big fan, right? That you can apply them to life, to business, to so many other things. Yep, absolutely. Totally agree. Now, what about books outside of principles? Is there a specific book that's really just had an impact on you as a founder? This can be a traditional business book or just a personal book that's influenced how you view the world. Yeah, I mean, there are many amazing business books, right? Like Zero to One. I love Zero to One by Peter Thiel. But if I had to think of like, and they're great kind of strategies and techniques, how to build a business. But I think, you know, the book that has had the most, and I read a lot, is A New Earth. The New Earth is Eckhart Tolle's book. It's more of a spirituality book, but it talks about being in the now. And that to me has been very grounding as a founder and CEO, because as you know, it's craziness. And like, you know, Elon Musk says, you're many times you're chewing glass and looking into the abyss. (laughs) But uh, you know, what keeps you grounded? You know, those principles of the New Earth, that, you know, stay in the now, focus on your breath, the ego, you are not your mind. You know, those kind of philosophies have really, really changed my life. And I try to meditate every day. And uh, I think more than kind of business strategies, that awareness about yourself and not taking yourself too seriously, that has helped me. Nice. Love that. And yeah, going back to principles and Ray Dalio, that's actually where I uh, picked up the habit of meditation. So I had read some article about him talking about transcendental meditation, how mm-hmm. he has you know, done it his whole life. He has the entire company do it. And I just thought, all right, good enough for me. The world's biggest asset manager does this stuff. <laughs> like, I can do it too. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yes. Like life-changing, right? Life-changing thing to do. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Nice. That's super helpful. And that's super fun to hear about your journey and you know, just really these types of material and people who have had a huge influence on you. So let's switch gears here a bit now. And let's talk about the company. So I know we've touched on that a little bit. But can you just take me back to day one or day zero? What were the early days of the company like? Yeah. So I think when I left Cisco, it was just kind of a germ of an idea, right? How do you help 100 million plus people communicate better? in the business world. And uh, there was a lot of uncertainty. So I left, you know, we, uh, we put a million bucks of our own money in into the business, hired a few machine learning engineers, a few engineers, some of people I used to work with, they joined me on the crazy journey. And the first six months, Brett was just talking to as many potential customers, trying to build some early prototypes. And I cannot tell you how horrible those early prototypes were. And, you know, we got so much negative feedback on, hey, this is bad for so many reasons. But all that customer interaction really helped us build the first version that actually worked, right? 
So it was a lot of like four people just spending day and night looking at the data, building the ML models by processing the data and creating the first version. And then, um, you know, we had a few people through my wife's company, Presentium. We had access to a few enterprise customers and some personal friends. So we showed it to some people and uh, they really liked it. They said, you know, this is, I'm able to save 70, 80% time. And we thought, hey, look, maybe we have something here. So maybe we should raise some money. So that's how kind of the thing started, right? So the first six to nine months, a lot of uncertainty, Brett, a lot of trial and error, trying to find out what the real customer problem is and how can we solve it. And what did you learn along that journey? Any tactical insights that you can share as you were you know, fighting your way to try to find that problem? Yeah, I think we made, we made a lot of mistakes as a first-time founder, like a very kind of tactical kind of mistake I made, which other people could learn from is I'm a programmer myself. So we actually built the first version of the product in code, right? And even before we went and showed it to an initial customer. And when the feedback was like, hey, this is not really what we want, this doesn't solve my problem, it really increased the amount of effort and rework we had to do, right? So if I had to do it again, maybe just sketch something out on paper or use kind of, you know, any of the design tools out there to build a very quick and easy version and start showing it to customers and get input from there. So I think that's one thing. The other thing that really kind of surprised me was, I think Adam Grant talks about this, the power of weak connections. So I was actually surprised by, you know, you need a ton of help, Brett, as you know, to be a founder and start a company. You're fighting gravity. You know, the weak connections I had ended up helping me a lot more than my strong connections, right? So someone I had talked to like two, three times while I was at business school or when I was at Cisco, those people tend to help out a lot more. And when I reached out to them, they were super supportive and they gave us, gave me and the company a chance, right? So those were kind of two things I would say, just don't just limit yourself to kind of the people you know really well in the beginning, you know, reach out to those weak connections and surprisingly, they could be more helpful than the stronger ones. I love that. Super valuable and, and super actionable advice there. Now on your website, I see a lot of logos from big, big companies What's the secret? As a startup, it's obviously very difficult to get companies to buy your products and to believe in a startup. You know, what did you get right? And what can we learn from that experience of acquiring all of these amazing logos that you have? Yeah, that's a great question. Right from the beginning, we didn't want to target small companies, Brett, just because of my background as well. I think I understand the large enterprise, both from McKinsey and Cisco days. So we had some insight into what the large enterprise customers want, what their pain points are. So we wanted to start there. And like you said, it's very hard to kind of get in. So our approach was to build a product that's really dead simple to understand and use. And it takes less than 10 minutes, five minutes to get to value. So there is no implementation phase. You know, you don't have to install a bunch of things, pull in a bunch of data. You can use it right away in like five minutes, two minutes, you start getting value. And yeah, we just went and demoed it to, um, you know, people in the large enterprise. And uh, people saw the demo, the light bulb will go off. and we had a pretty reasonable price point to get started. So that's how we got kind of an initial set. We also had a lot of advisors and partners who helped us. So some senior execs in um, other companies, people who've been successful founders, running other services businesses. So they also gave us kind of introductions, right? So the combination of, I also had many personal relationships given my own background. So just banking on relationships to get the intro and then banking on the simplicity of the product to get to value. And it's not a hard problem to understand, right, Brett? You know, most people hate making presentations and it just takes a lot of time. 
and people spend a lot of money and time on it. So it was just an obvious problem to go after and it was just quick to value. So that that helped us. Yeah, and playing around on your website, you have this awesome calculator that I recommend that everyone go check out because I think it's super useful in understanding the value. So I you know, preset a few things in there. So I said, okay, 25 people on my team, they're doing five slides per week. And the time savings is almost 3,000 hours and it's almost a quarter million dollars in savings per year. That's incredible. And I'm sure that has to help you a lot in the sales process. Yeah, so that's a big part of what we talk about that an average kind of business professional spends anywhere from four to eight hours building presentations. It differs by team, like a communications or an ops team spend more time, you know, an engineering team spends less, but that's roughly the time spent. And we can cut that time by 70, 75%, right? And you can imagine people can do a lot of other things with that time. And also it's like an unpleasant activity, right? It's not just how much time you save, the utility you get from saving that time doing presentations you can kind of do your real work. So we use that a lot, kind of the ROI is very clear. Here's how much time you will save. Here's how much money you will save. And here's some other things you could be doing by using Present. And in terms of the competitive landscape, are you competing against other startups that are trying to disrupt how presentations are given? Or are you really just disrupting the status quo of using Microsoft or using Google Slides? Is that the real competitor here for you? Yeah, that's a great question, Brett. So what we're trying to do is trying to automate what a management consultant does and automate what a designer does, right? So a management consultant comes up with a great storyline based on the team they're talking to, and we automate what a designer does. And um, we also help you create brand-aligned presentations and enable your team. So if you kind of think about that, I mean, you know, you could almost call it like a presentation success or presentation productivity category. And I would say that kind of the different competitors that come at it differently. So first one, of course, is a status quo, right? So like you said, people use PowerPoint, Google Slides to do it. It takes a long time, but it doesn't help you with the storylining piece, right? Coming up with the story. It doesn't help you with learning about how to become a better business communicator. So our platform lets you do three things, not just build, but also learn how to become a better business communicator and also enable your team. So that's kind of one part. Another big part is, um, I would say, agencies and consultancies. So we serve a lot of pharma clients, and many of them use agencies and consultancies to build presentations. And that's really expensive and time-consuming. So our value prop against kind of those consultants and uh, agencies is you can save a ton of money and save a ton of time. And there are some emerging players coming up in the presentation space, you know, like, like Beautiful.ai, Tome, there is Canva, but they focus on the presentation aspect. What we are building is like a one-stop shop for all communication needs within an enterprise. So you can learn, build, enable. We also have some value-added services that you can use as well, like overnight presentations. But the biggest thing, Brett, is um, how do you get people to leave the status quo and try it out? Because when they try it, we hear things like, where have you been my whole life? You know, my life has changed. I love you guys, right? You're my secret weapon. Things, things like that. <laughs> Not things you commonly hear with enterprise software. <laughs> yeah, you know, there really is a visceral reaction. I was, I actually last week, I went to one of our customers on the East Coast and uh, we had a booth set up and people literally come screaming, right? like you are the present guys, give us hugs. Say you've changed my life. One lady actually told us, you not only save me 90% of time, you also save my marriage. So now I don't have to spend my time building presentations. I can spend my time with my family. So it's a very visceral reaction 
uh, you know, people were like, how can we buy shares of your company? So we heard, we hear all kinds of comments like that. And we are very grateful for it. And there's a team working very hard to make that magic happen. Yeah, I imagine. And I imagine that has to feel good as the, you know, the brain and the founder behind this, that has to feel very good. Yeah, it's not just me, Brett. I think, you know, I'm just the face of the company. But, uh, you know, we have some really, really amazing people, product, engineering, and go-to-market who have joined me on this crazy journey. And it's all of us. You know, we have uh, one of our values is win as a team. So it's not about any one person. It's about winning as a team. Yeah, and I hope people listening in will go to your website and just scroll around because you guys have just nailed it in terms of messaging and communication, which I guess, you know, we should expect you are a community. <laughs> so you guys better be good, but I'm very, very impressed with the site. And it's, you know, very clear what you do and just the layout of the text and how you communicate the value prop is just such an outstanding job. Oh, thank you, Brett. You're very kind. Yes, someone wants to check it out. It's, you know, uh, the name of the company is Present. You can go to present.ai and you can learn more about us. You can sign up for a free trial and our team will reach out to you. Sounds great. Now, one thing I did want to dig a bit deeper on is uh, yep. the idea of a you know, venture-backed technology startup having value-add services and that there's a, a services component here. Was that a controversial decision for you to decide to add that in? Did you have any pushback of saying, you know, why are we doing services? Or for this line of business, did it just make logical sense to have that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I always think uh, customer out, right? And what the customer needs. And having been in a large enterprise company now for, you know, through McKinsey and Cisco for over a decade between the two, you know, you cannot solve the problem just in software. And uh, people can do a, can learn a little bit, build a little bit, enable on the software. But if you really want to cover 100% of the needs of a customer, really surround them. And we are called present because our mission is to add Zen to your presentations. If you want to do that, you really need not just the do-it-yourself pieces, but a do-it-for-you piece, which comes from services. So I think both pieces are, are needed. And the way we do it, Brett, is we do it through a partner, right? We don't do it through ourselves, right? So like Cisco, I learned this model at Cisco, where Cisco focuses on the core technology, but they have an ecosystem of partners that deliver all the last mile services. So we have a similar model. So we have a trusted partner in Presentium that kind of provides all the services. But from a present perspective, we focus on the tech. But when we go to market, we go to market with the software and the service together. So that way it's a full solution. And without kind of mixing, you know, there's a lot of services into a pure software company. Mm, that makes a lot more sense. And, you know, I've never worked in a big enterprise. So I think part of it is hard for me to even understand that or, you know, know that that ecosystem exists. So is there a whole ecosystem of agencies and consultants where all they do all day long is specialize in creating presentations? Yes, yes. I mean, it's a huge industry. And uh, I remember when I was at Cisco, I hired like Duarte as an example to build my presentation for one of my conferences. It was, you know, over $40,000, which was totally nuts, right? And if you want to hire like a consultancy firm to come into communication training, like I hired McKinsey and company once. And again, it was a ridiculous amount of money for, you know, I had a thousand people on my team. So we had to do training for all of them. So there really is a pretty dedicated industry of design agencies, communication, training firms that exist and they serve these large companies. And it really hasn't seen much innovation in decades, Brett. It's the same model. It takes a long time. And the beautiful thing with technology is as we capture the data of our customers, we can become even more hyper-personalized. 
in the service kind of we provide them and how the software kind of evolves. So there is a huge industry out there. You know, in my humble opinion, it's very expensive and it's time consuming and it's maybe okay for the senior executives and maybe okay for the really important presentations that they need. But I would say for the vast majority, 90% of presentations, 90% of communication, whether internal or external, I don't think you need something so expensive and so slow. So that's where kind of we come in. And I saw that when I was at Cisco, I mean, I had a good sense of how much money are companies like, you know, Cisco, Johnson & Johnson, others kind of spending on these large consulting firms and agencies. So that's where I kind of realized that there's a huge opportunity here to use tech to not just bring the cost down, but also improve the experience. Yeah. Well, that's just crazy to think about. There's a, you know, a company making 40K for presentations. I didn't even know that exists you know, as an ecosystem. So that's fascinating. I can see the market need because obviously these you know, big companies can't afford to spend that for every presentation that's being created, I'm sure. Correct. Correct. And like I said, people also spend a lot of time and they have the real job, right? I mean, people have a real job. They were not hired to build presentations and build communication, right? And they were hired to either do financial analysis, analyze data, build products, sell products, right? Do the thinking. So that grunt work is what we can handle and take care of so people can focus on what's really important. And then their lives also become more fulfilling, right? One of our customers said, you know, she had rolled it out to her entire division of researchers and development people. And she said it was really a cost-effective solution for her and her company. And I think you'd mentioned in the pre-interview there, do you have kids? I can't recall. Yes, yes, I do. What are your kids' presentations like at school? Are they just next level knocking <laughs> out of the park every time? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think it's an unfair advantage. So my son is 11 and my daughter is seven. And like I said, my wife has a presentation services company, right? And I have a presentation software company. So he came to us one day at 7 p.m. is like, dad, mom, hey, I forgot. I have a presentation tomorrow. And we looked at each other, Brett, and we said, look, we cannot help you with many things, son. I mean, you're great at many things. But this, we've got you covered, right? <laughs> so, so you know, we, we worked with him. And you can imagine, you know, my wife, she had a best designer on it. And he could use some of the templates we have, build a great storyline using the software. And I think the class was just blown away the next day, right? So <laughs> I think I think it was a complete unfair advantage. But it's not just him, right? We, we have many friends who keep asking us, hey, can I use the software to build presentations? So... Our plan is to start with the enterprise, but over time kind of go to uh, small, medium business and individuals as well. Yeah, that was my next question is, you know, where do you go from here? Because a lot of startups, you know, they start off with SMBs and their goal or aspiration is always to go up market. But for you, you're already there. So is the goal to eventually go down market and just dominate all things presentation? Yeah, I think that's interesting. I, mean, I don't think we've really made a final decision because there are two vectors we can choose. One is, you know, we've already built the technology that helps you create a great storyline and uh, tailor it to your audience. And presentation is just one visualization form. We can use the same tech to create TikTok videos, you know, Word documents, interview prep, all kinds of communication. That's one direction we can go. We can also kind of just double down on presentations and then go after small, medium business because most of our customers now are more than 10,000 people, but we can go down to smaller companies you know, many universities have reached out to us as well. Can you deploy present here? So I'm not sure, Brett. I mean, like like any startup, you know, you need to um, wade through it, you know, bumble along a little bit, and then the market will tell you what's the right direction to go. Makes a lot of sense. Now, something else that you touched on there earlier in the interview, and it, you'd mentioned market category. So 
what are your thoughts here? Is this a category creation play? Is presentation productivity eventually going to be its own subcategory of the presentation category? Or what are your thoughts there? Yeah, you know, I started the company with the idea that presentation success could be a new category, Brett. So anything about how do I become successful in a presentation, which is how do I learn how to become a better communicator? How do I build presentations? How do I standardize and enable my entire team and company with presentations? I think that is, and with both software and services, right? Kind of that to me is uh, something that hasn't been done as a one-stop shop. And that's what we'll build. And um, of course, when I talk to my mentors, you know, building a new category is super hard, right? So again, it's one of those things where we'll see, you know, we are focused on presentation productivity, but we'll see how we kind of grow from here. Makes a lot of sense. Now, last question here for you. Let's zoom out into the future. Three years from today, what's the company look like? What's that vision? I think the vision is Present becomes the one-stop shop for all your business communication needs for any large enterprise. So if any large enterprise thinks about business communication, they think of Present. And uh, our software will have kind of, you can come to the software and build, learn, enable those three things we offer now. We have a rich ecosystem of partners and services also that you can use. So you come to present, you become a better business communicator. And just kind of closing it with the story I'd kind of shared in the beginning, you know, with that friend of mine who got passed up for promotions, you know, I hope that's not the case anymore, right? Just like Google Maps kind of democratized directions, we hope we democratize business communication. And every person, Brett, in the enterprise, irrespective of their background, irrespective of how busy they are, They're all amazing communicators. Thanks to present. Amazing. Well, definitely ending there on a high note. This has been so much fun. It's been a blast learning your story and really hearing this vision. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat and talk about all this. And we wish you the best of luck in executing on this vision going forward. Thank you, Bed. Really appreciate you having me on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Let's keep in touch. 